0: Hi, everyone. Just starting this podcast really quickly here to remind you of our Extra Life campaign that we have going on. Our page launched a few weeks ago. You may have heard us talk about it a couple times in episodes. Extra Life is a charity that helps promote playing games and raising money for children's hospitals all around North America and the world. So for us, we are going to be playing games for 24 hours straight on November 14th. Initially, we were going to be playing on the actual quote-unquote game day that Extra Life has set up every year for 24 hours of gaming. That is on November 7th. But unfortunately, just like with episodes in the past, life gets in the way. So we are going to be delaying by just one week, but that doesn't mean that our campaign page is not open. You can find us on the Extra Life website. Back in my day, we have myself, co-host michael r power and one of our good friends richard all on that team you can join our team and raise your own money or you can donate to the team itself and really all the money just goes to a great cause to help children's hospitals Uh, 2020 if anything is one of the years that places like hospitals and especially ones like these need our help Um, there's lots of kids out there that need our help in many different ways and um, you know why not play some video games and have a good time while we do it so again our page is open on extra life back in my day Our 24-hour day will be November 14th, one week after the official game day. We'll update you as we go along on our social media pages. Follow along at DayBackIn on Twitter and Instagram. I think I got that right, right, Mike? He's usually the one who actually does that for us. He's the prepared one and smart one on this podcast. Let's, Let's be real here. Anyways, Extra Life, Children's Hospitals, Charity, our page is up right now. And look forward to, in the next month or so, having our game day where we'll be playing games for 24 hours straight and streaming them while raising money for Extra Life and Children's Hospitals in North America. This is the week of October 19th, and this is Back in My Day. Welcome, everyone, to Back in My Day, the podcast where some not-so-stereotypical millennials talk all things nerdy from our childhood in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s while also looking ahead. Well, my name's David Petrangelo, and this week, once again, we're going to take a look at some major releases that defined our childhoods. It's a segment we do for many of our podcasts and episodes and really was the crux of kicking this whole thing off in the first place nearly two years ago, believe it or not. Back in our day, Blank was released, and then we just talk about it. Now, some of these games, movies, TV releases, and debuts have been talked about before on our podcast and many others, of course, so we'll sprinkle in our discussions from past episodes here and uh, just get a little taste of how things work at that time as well. Now, it's not a complete list. There are some key highlights that we will be talking about, but forgive us if we've missed or skipped something. Believe us, we still love those two. We just can't squeeze them all into one episode all at once. And then, of course, later in this episode, we're going to look back at last year's summer movie wager. Yeah, that's right. Remember movies and movie theaters? Unfortunately, in 2020, it's just not the norm anymore. Hopefully, we will be get back to them fairly soon. Well, one year ago, we recorded the results of our summer movie wager, an idea that uh, we got from the Slash Filmcast, which possibly many of you listen to. You basically just bet what the uh, top ten grossing movies in North American markets will be for the summer. Usually it starts somewhere in late May, early June, and goes until the September long weekend. This year, obviously, that didn't happen, but because we're at about the time that we recorded this last year, I thought it'd be fun to look back, and really, unfortunately, just one year ago, it's almost like reminiscing about things, even though it was just 12 months ago. So I thought it'd be a cool way to look back at some great movies from 2019 as well. Well, without further ado, let's get into the episode and some cool releases. Well, the year is 1995, Kevin Smith is getting his name out there as an amazing indie director, making movies with his friends and getting a real cool take on 90s culture and millennial culture as well. October 20th, 1995, the release of Mallrats.
1: Uh, shithead here watched Empire and Jedi last week and ever since he's been trying to do the Jedi mind trick. Crazy fuck this he levitate shit with his thoughts. Knock it off. The force is strong with this one. Dude, don't encourage him.
2: So I was just telling TS here, we got to find Jay and Silent Bob. If there's anyone that can help us out, it's the two guys that have
0: even less to do than us. Jump ahead just three years and one day, October 21st, 1998, probably one of the biggest PlayStation franchises ever. 1998, October 21st, you guessed it, the first Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation. Jump ahead another three years. It is 2001. We have hit the millennium and one of the biggest remakes, reimaginings of a franchise you can probably think of as you get into this area of video games. One of my favorite games of all time, Grand Theft Auto 3 was released in 2001 on October 22nd. Well, we've jumped ahead three years in each of our dates here, but we're going to go back one year, 20 years ago, to the day, on October 24th, on the Nintendo 64, a sequel to probably the biggest, if not one of the biggest, adventure Zelda games of all time, the next one in line, October 24th, 2000, The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask. Yes, of course, it is the next one in line to Ocarina of Time, which was like I mentioned, one of the biggest releases ever for Nintendo and the Legend of Zelda series. Here's us talking about Majora's Mask in one of the episodes from last year. Not one that I personally played much of at all, but uh, you guys
1: did, right? Yeah. You guys are, for sure. are huge on it. Right? Yep. I mean, I was so in love with Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I was just same. happy to kind of get back into that mm-hmm. type of game. And I mean, it's I still hold Ocarina of Time above the rest. Same. But, uh, I mean, it had its its day. I've definitely played enough of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I played it, and I, I played a,
1: not as much as
2: A Green of Time, and it wasn't mm-hmm. as good, but it had that, it, it was, yeah.
1: And you were able to control the other factions. Like yeah, the it Gorons. was cool.
2: And ju- yeah, and just, like, the masks and stuff. Like, I had a bunch of cool new ideas. I don't know why it didn't quite... Hit the mark as much as
0: right because it was still Ocarina. a big game. Like it was really a big. Karina was right. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it had like it, that it night. Isn't it had like the day-night cycle thing? I remember. Yeah, when, we talked about it before with Jordan. Yeah, with Jordan, it yeah. had like the
2: moon was crashing to the earth. Right. Um, in like which is an item days. you can use in Smash Brothers now. Yeah. So <laughs> you had hilarious. like three days to do everything, and like you had to plan how you were going to play the game around that. So it's like. And then before the moon crashed, you had to, like, reset the day. Yeah, so, that's right. that's what yeah. so that was, just like, just the big mechanic. Reset. So it's, like, you had to do something and change something up and then reset the day. And then on the second night, something different would happen because you did something, you know what I mean? And it was all like that. It was, It was so like,
1: maybe that's what it you is. needed maybe. a guide, kind of, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And o- Ocarina of Time is that first of the new generation. So you have right. such mm. an appreciation for how yeah. different it was Like from, Mario 64. Like Mario 64. Is. Four. Yeah. Like, if they had a yeah. sequel for Mario 64, we'd probably still be talking about Mario 64. Yeah. Uh, just like with right. Perfect Dark, we talk about it how it's kind of an improvement to Goldeneye, but we're always coming back to Goldeneye because Goldeneye yeah. is the one we have. Yeah, you nailed it. The like, love for. the
2: leap between the Zelda that came out before, uh, Ocarina of Time and Ocarina of Time. That leap is so gigantic. Yeah, it's like the, gig- the leap between 2D Mario and Mario sixty four. That the leap between uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask is like so so small compared. Yeah. And like so. if
1: you ever play Grand Theft Auto, it's like the leap from like. GTA two, yeah, GTA three, oh, the three? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which yeah. is I always why. Oh, th- GTA three is still like one of the best. Those games ones
2: ever. <laughs> that yeah. So those ones that have the big, innovative, yeah, that's difference true. are the ones that you remember, right?
0: Yeah, that's just they how stand it out more. And I guess yeah. that's a lot of the discussion is around and the rightfully fact that it was so, so because different.
2: they're the one that that like innovated a lot, right? To come up with that, and then the other ones just like kind of piggyback back and iterate a little bit. But it's like, yeah, that one that comes up again with another
0: uh, uh, another big set of like. Nintendo franchises, like we were talking about with the NES, that just like without Majora's Mask or, or Karina or Mario 64, like that, those couple of years of these types of games, like we wouldn't have probably wouldn't have Breath of the Wild and all that kind of stuff, yeah. or any even a non Nintendo property that is somewhat similar. Like it's just, it's, I don't know, it, it's hard not to. There have to been just lots be of like, Zelda whoa. ripoffs
2: like since, like <laughs> yeah. lots.
0: Uh, But none have done it quite as
1: good, I don't think.
0: No, it's a different feel, too, Mm -hmm. right? It always feels a little bit different that way, too. Nintendo
1: polish. Have they done remastered Ocarina of Time? I
2: have it for... uh, Yeah, I have it for... um,
0: 3DS, right? Yeah. Yeah. There is a quick look back at the last 25 to 30 years of releases for us millennials. Now, without further ado, we're just going to go one year back to an episode we recorded, or part of an episode, where we discussed their summer movie wager from 2019, We talk about the results, where everything fell from 1 to 10, where myself, Wife Power, Michael R. Power, and Ian Walter discussed where we thought things would land, who won the wager, and just what we thought about all these movies that we released last year. A lot of surprises as well, if you remember. If you don't, hope you enjoy our discussion, and we will see you next week on Back in My Day. Congrats to Mr. All right. Yeah, you are now my subjects. And I am <laughs> the Royal awesome Movie Wager champion. Almost had you. <laughs> so we're going to, I, I'm just going to uh, list off the movies that were in the top 10 of our Summer Movie Wager and what Mike chose in that order so that we know where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. So we go to Mike's choosing here. So I'm going to go from ten one, or actually, I'll go from one to ten because one is obvious. So you're listing down the actual. No, I'm listing down office. your choices. Okay, my list. Okay, Mike, it's all about you now. Okay, it's all it. about you between yeah, the, the Jedi business and between winning do this. It. It's all about you now. <laughs> <laughs> After this, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> so, uh number one, Mike's number one choice was Avengers Endgame, which everybody had, I think. Everyone had it across yeah. the world, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh Number two, The Lion King. Number three, Toy Story four. Yeah, number that. four, Spider Man Far From Home. Mike got I nailed all, all of, of those yeah. right yeah. in the right order, right position. All of that was correct. Detective Pikachu was number five. Hobbs and Shaw was number six for Mike's choice. Just a couple of picks off for both of those. Uh, Aladdin number seven, which I think was a surprise for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that was two spots above where where you had it, according to this. Uh, Secret Life of Pets 2, you also got right on. I go. think you might have been the only person that also in our group that might have got that right on as well. Uh, that's number eight. Number nine, Dark Phoenix. Uh, wasn't on... That's the one I missed Anywhere, but I think a lot of people did. Uh, At that point,
1: you nailed so many. Yeah, and then, speaking of
0: nailing so many, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, number 10 gives you just as many points as nailing number one on this list. So you got that at number 10 as well. That's really the
2: one that sealed it for me.
0: Yeah, 13 points. 13 points. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. It has been.
1: Uh, Night, and the down and the, grass oh, on the Here straight. I am, flat on my ass. And who, who I got living next door
0: to me?
2: I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Mr. This Klaus. year I got 82 points. And it's like a historically good year for us. Usually someone wins around like 70. Right. Um, and Ian was on my uh, heels with 73 points. If I didn't nail one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he actually would have beat me. Like if it didn't. If oh, it was eleven, right.
1: yeah. Well, my mistake was going far from home at number three instead uh, of Toy Story four. I had Toy Story four at number four, right. so that's switcheroo, really right? Yeah. Switcheroo.
2: So I don't think like that score of eighty two is going to be hard to top in future. It's years, huge. But we, yeah, it was like a it was like a good year for. I mean, for a, did really, you go nine for ten? No, I, I nailed one. Two, John Wick three, was four, a dark horse, so six. technically. Yeah, And you 9 got, for 10, yeah, sorry. 9 for 10. 9 um, movies were in, yeah, in, in the, the
1: actual I top actually 10. And top what was 10, the yeah. uh, actual number 10? Was that Godzilla? Uh, no, the actual
0: number 10 was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, That's wow. why. that Those 13 points mm-hmm. rocketed him up.
2: Yeah, the actual order was Endgame, Lion King, Toy Story, Spider-Man, which I nailed. And then Aladdin, John Wick 3, Hobbs and Shaw, Secret Life of Pets 2, Detective Pikachu, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was how the actual yeah box office top 10
0: just what? just looking at the... It's like it looks like your list. I got, I got thrown <laughs> off because um,
1: Hobbs and Shaw, I think, has since passed John Wick because it was out later. Right, but it cuts um, off at Labor Day. It cuts off, it Labor
2: cuts off, at a cuts of off after the Labor day. day weekend, exactly. Right, okay. So at
0: that point, it made uh, just under $160 million, and John Wick was at one million. So I kind of
2: want to, like, for a couple of minutes, talk about what what you guys thought of the box yeah. office this summer and, the like, the movies, the quality of movies... Um, did you see a lot of movies? Were you yeah, Ian, to go ahead.
1: What, what, do you, what do you think? Sure. Just looking at that top five, I still have yet to see Aladdin. But those four, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they deserve to be at the top of the list. I mean, there are people on the other side of the fence with The Lion King. But uh, I thought the quality is like it's right up there. With a
2: lot of people were saying it was a bad year um, for the quality of films coming out in the summer. Like a bad year for, for movies. A bad summer, sorry.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if I take into account my personal taste for Endgame and Far From Home, and then the nostalgia factor for t- Toy Story 4, I mean, I can't yeah, really complain about the Yeah, disagree with summer. those sort of critics. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: I, I kind of feel the same. I mean, I didn't see every movie on this list, but I saw the ones I wanted to see. So I saw Endgame, Toy Story, Spider-Man, John Wick, um, Detective Pikachu, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I really enjoyed all of those movies. Like Pikachu we did a review on. It wasn't the best, but it was still an enjoyable blockbuster. Yeah, I think it was still um,
0: worth our time and yeah. money. Yeah,
2: for sure. Lion King and Aladdin I avoided on purpose because I didn't want to support the <laughs> Disney machine. And Hobbs and Shaw um, I, I avoided on purpose because I heard it wasn't very good. You didn't,
1: you didn't miss much, man.
2: Uh, yeah. I, I you watched
1: the trailer a couple times over and you got the movie. Yeah, but I was,
2: <laughs> was kind of happy with the summer blockbuster. I thought Avengers Endgame not only... That I love it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, Spider Man sure. is one of my favorite mo- Spider Man movies, one of my favorite MC movies of all time. Uh, Toy Story 4 is one of the best Pixar movies. Like, so I don't know. People saying it's a bad summer. Um, people are saying that because they don't like uh, the sort of reboot culture, sequel culture. And if you look at this list, it's mostly reboots and sequels. Oh, yeah. And so people... And you could consider Aladdin
0: and Lion King all, no, 100% all part of that, right? No, 100%. are yeah.
2: they are they're, they're the, they're the worst... To me, they're the worst offenders of what's the all. Ri-
0: what's, the, what's the original movie here? Detective Pikachu Once and upon Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's, the, that's it. O- Once Upon a
1: Time oh. is the only original movie not based Completely original. off a uh, yeah. previous IP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when Jaws comes around in 1975 and then Star Wars in 77, mm-hmm. I mean, you've... You've birthed a summer movie culture of basically blockbusters, and right. now yeah. it's not all original blockbusters. So there's a lot of retreads, but people want to pay and you know put their wallet into those big spectacle films,
0: yeah,
2: big
1: event films, right? Yeah, but I the, think it's where the money is. I,
2: yeah, but people yeah. are people are sort of critical of the fact that when like Jaws one and Star Wars were like original movies, and people are, I guess they're lamenting the death of the original movie not based off anything. But I don't know. There's a reason why...
0: There's a little bit of that, I think. Yeah. I think there's I think there's an argument on both sides of it. Like for me, I look at this list and Lion King I only have maybe a minor interest in because it's Lion King, but I haven't seen it. No, I, haven't I have no desire it. to. Yeah. Same with Aladdin, honestly. Uh, Endgame obviously was great. Spider-Man was great, but I didn't love it like you guys did. Uh, and I, I on this list, I would say... Toy Story 4 would be the best time I, well, maybe not the best time I had, but, like, aside from Endgame, I mean, like, after that, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to see Hobbs and Shaw. I don't want to see Secret Life of Pets too, But everything else on the list is a good movie. Like, there's nothing here that's complete trash, I would say, unless... Well,
2: Men in Black International finished 13th.
0: 13. Yeah. Right. I had that for number 10. Oh, really? I was, well, I was also hoping, if you go back and listen, I was really hoping that that would be good. Yeah. This, so. Also,
1: we speak as our, about our tastes as millennials. Right. But yeah. We are not also thinking about the generations, you know, younger generations that maybe just want to go see Hobbs and Shaw and just see exactly. stupid and then, like, action. And...
2: People who say, like, who are upset with the sequel culture, the reboot culture, it seems tends to be like the older kind of film critics and they're just like kind of grumpy and like, we we are like our fenders like we support like we go see those movies
1: yes you know and what I mean
2: you vote with your wallet and I vote right. with my wallet and I actually like seeing movies I like franchises I like sequels um, when a sequel comes out I get excited um, but what I don't the only thing I don't like is the Disney remakes yeah I f- yeah. I feel those are different than a sequel you've, you've drawn a line in the scene. yeah I've drawn a, I've drawn a line in saying like a sequel um, by a creative person who has something to say it's it's like it's a sequel yes it's based off an IP but it's still an original story mm-hmm. just a remake of an old story just done with different technology like the story is exactly the same yeah. is just a pure pure money grab and that's a bit different and I mean they're gonna keep making them because they make money and so I guess people wanna
0: see them yeah, so I mean, no fault King, to anyone exploring but, new technology was their big thing like I, I understand that in some ways yeah. but it, it's, the, it's, it's also not meant for us like what you were saying Ian about like as yeah, maybe just a new at.
1: generation to like. Yeah, so we're, the old, so bad, we're the old guys you know? on the porch now. I yeah. think and for this stuff, I don't know if I brought this up in the past, but when uh, I heard Kevin Smith talk about how Gus Van Sant was remaking Psycho, right, right, yeah. right. and he remade the movie shot for shot, yeah. and the reason for that, his reasoning, anyways, was that you know nobody's going to see the black and white version. Right. In this day and age, and the age that he made it, so he wanted to make it a little bit more updated, right. and that was his whole reasoning. And I mean, you could knock it or or enjoy that take, but uh, at the same time, he's trying to deliver to a certain audience, and I guess that's the way you got to look at it: is well, what's the audience? So that I'll, I'll just for?
2: give you my opinion of why I disagree with the Disney remakes. It's because so there's a reason why he made Psycho. He's like, I want to reach a new audience, and I th- but I think the reason why these live action Disney ones get remade is a much more cynical reason. I think it's an executive looking at his bottom line and being like, what am I going to green light this year? Yeah. Um, and it's guaranteed and money. And it's guaranteed money. Yeah. It's, it's not like, an artistic choice okay, necessarily. Th- we remade, it's not we fully, tested the yeah. waters with Cinderella made a lot of money. Okay, what can we make next? What can we make next? It's not like... Like a good way to do a reboot or a sequel, like we said before, or something like Creed or or later on in 2049. It's like, it's like this really good uh, creative person or director or writer who's like, I have this great idea for this franchise and they pitch at the studio, like, Well, that's a great, that's a new creative direction, what a great idea, a new story, or whatever. Like, it's not that. It's like an executive being like, we got to do this because it makes money. What director can we find? What actors can we find to create buzz? Yeah. There's, no, there's, nothing cre- there's nothing, like, right. artistic about it. And that's the problem I have with them.
1: That's yeah. all. Yeah, and I think you're right about studio agendas and, you know, why certain things get greenlit over others. But then on the other side of things, I do, for example, John Favreau is one of my, favorite filmmaker, so I do, when I watch that movie, I respect what he's put into it, even though he knows he's making basically he, he went on record to say, I just want people to be able to say they've seen Lion King. Right. So he knows that he's not really bringing anything new to the table, but where he is bringing new stuff is the way they're using the technology and the way that as opposed to watching an animated film, you're, it, you're, it is feeling like live action even though it's not, right? Yeah. It's feeling yeah. photoreal. And if he it's was like... Like uh... when, you know, the action's happening, it's feeling like you're in like a big blockbuster movie.
2: Right. And if it was like, he is like, I have this great idea, I'm going to pitch Disney, I think I can remake Lion King with this crazy new technology, it's something different than anyone's seen before, and if it was like, you know what I mean, like someone's project like that, then I'd be like, cool, like, that's a great idea, that's a unique idea, but it, it seems more, it's like, Disney being like, uh, we want to make a like which director can we hire to do it? You know what I mean? That's yeah, what it feels yeah, yeah. like, which feels a little bit... Do they not have
0: enough control know, over it, the box office and and now streaming and I Like, know. do they not have but enough? But you know, They have a duty
2: <laughs> to their shareholders to make so much... Like, I totally understand yeah. why they do it. Yeah. Like, I totally get it. I don't begrudge them. It's like, we're this big machine. We have to make lots of money. We need to the make money. These movies are proven to work. And so I like I understand like the economics behind it, but I just think myself like I just personally don't support it. Yeah,
1: that's not the one yeah. you're rushing it. That's see. What, exactly that's yeah. not
2: rushing it. I'll just wait for it on video and like I'll probably still see it. So I'm part of the problem as well as if you say problem, but like I get yeah. it. I don't like it, but I understand it and I accept it.
0: And I mean, you look at the money that these things make, yeah. man. Like just domestically, it's
2: crazy. Yeah, you can't deny it. Right, you can't deny people want to see it, and you got to give people what they want to see, or else you're not doing your job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if you're in a studio, right? Yeah, so. exactly.
2: To admit I'm shocked you didn't try to dissuade them. <laughs> I What mean, if I actually thought for a second they could pull it off? Oh, ye of little face. Want a cookie?